the preseason is more than half over, and if anything, the optimism is increasing around the Boston Celtics. And the most impressive player so far is someone no one predicted. Celtics reserves have had plenty of playing time to impress Brad and Joe. Who's winning the battles for rotation spots? And Jimmy Butler, the Miami Heat star, is as eccentric as he is clutch. We react to his latest incredible statement and prove to you how committed Guillermo and I are to the cause. Are you all in for the Celtics season? Prove it. Join us inside Lucky's Lounge. Let's talk Celtics. The Boston Celtics are back on the basketball court, and it is a glorious thing for New England sports fans. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, everybody. I'm Captain Ron Flanders, joined by Guillermo Diaz. We'll get to the Celtics in just a second, but Guillermo, before we get started, if you're listening to this on Friday, everybody, it is the 248th birthday of your United States Navy. I bet you didn't know that, Guillermo. I did not know that. Well, you know, living in Boston, we have so much heritage and tradition. I mean, right there in Boston Harbor, we've got the USS Constitution, Old Ironsides. The Navy has been so pivotal to our defense. And uh, I'll be celebrating. The reason I bring this up is I'll be celebrating that birthday later today, running a 5K race to commemorate our Navy's birthday. Not really looking forward to that, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Uh, No, I appreciate you and what you do and what everybody does uh, in the Navy to keep us safe. Shout out to our Lucky's heroes for today, and I'm talking about the men and women of the USS Gerald Ford Carrier Strike Group, currently positioned in the eastern Mediterranean and keeping an eye on things in uh, in the Middle East as we all pray for peace. Uh, but the Navy's birthday uh, is not why I'm running this race. I'm running this race, Guillermo, because you and I, remembered have committed to running a half marathon with shaved heads in honor of Bald Derek, in the event that the Celtics get back onto that dais and accept the Larry O'Brien trophy from Adam Silver. Are you training as well for this, my friend? Yes, sir. I'm all in. I was with the Sousa scores running around, so I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, 13.1 miles is a lot different than a... Uh... <laughs> a rec league for basketball. That's why I'm doing the 5K later uh, later today. But, uh, you know, we might be running this, Guillermo. I mean, there's, there's a good chance. The Celtics have given us no reason in the preseason to doubt the genius of Brad Stevens. Three games, two wins, and the one that we lost against the Knicks, uh, a lot of our reserves showed out very well. How are you feeling about the preseason performance of our Celtics. I know you can't take too much from these fake games, but I'm pretty encouraged. Yeah, I'm really encouraged. I like what I'm seeing out on the court. My biggest takeaway is that uh, everybody brings something different, whether it's Keta or Cornette, whether it's Hauser and Svee or Stevens and Brissett. Like everybody brings something a little different, and I think that's something you're going to need throughout an 82-game season. Usually when you see preseason performances by teams, and we've had a pretty decent sample, three games, usually you don't see everybody contributing. But given that Sam Hauser splashed five threes in a starting role on Wednesday night against Philadelphia, pretty much everybody now has shown something good. And you're right. 
everybody has a different role. The Celtics top six is elite and all five of all six of those players can do things on both ends of the floor. But when you get to the Celtics bench, now you have guys who are one dimensional or two dimensional and they all kind of have to do their jobs to make it work. One of those guys who brings a lot to fill in the depth lost in the two trades that we made, Guillermo, is none other than number 11, Peyton Pritchard. To the corner. That's the kind of stuff that the elite players in the league do. He's in control right now. Barry's a triple. Preseason P is back. <laughs> Drew Carter and Brian Scalabrini on NBC Sports Boston with the call. Preseason P, Guillermo. I've heard of uh, playoff P, self-proclaimed playoff P, Paul George of the Clippers, but preseason P, I like it. Who, who is this guy? Yeah, preseason P. Uh, Pritchard is balling. It is exciting to watch his growth in the last four years. I know I've always talked about trading him, but he seems like a huge asset to have on the team. He's scoring from long distance, doing whatever it takes to put that ball in the net. It's exciting 20, to see him. 21 points a game over these first three preseason games. And he's made more than four threes per game. He had one game with six threes, shooting 42%. Guillermo, is it as simple of a matter as the Celtics ext extended him, extended his contract and showed faith in him? Obviously, they traded away some of his competition. So he'll have a bigger role. They committed to him for four years. Is it as simple as we believe in you? I mean, he looks more lethal than he did before, and he was pretty lethal before. Yeah, I think he's always someone who was in the gym, working hard. We knew he could score. That wasn't the problem. I think we always knew he could score, especially in the pro-ams where he had crazy numbers. So we knew he could put the ball in the net. It was just the other aspect that teams would maybe hunt him on mismatches, on switches, and things like that. Uh, but I think the team, from what I saw, they're helping him better. and. A lot, not allowing teams to use that switch or try to attack preseason P like that. Well, they are going to continue to attack him, especially in the playoffs with the pick and roll. But he does look like he's attacking them. Right. And he has a good rapport. I, I liked what he was showing with Luke Cornett, where he was able to do these little dribble handoff actions and things, get himself three-point attempts using Luke Cornett, using his teammates, uh, coming off flare screens, he looks more confident. I mean, Brad said that everybody got better. It's clear that Pritchard may have. But again, preseason P is irrelevant. Regular season P is a lot more relevant. And of course, postseason P, will there be one? We'll have to see. But uh, got to like what we saw from Peyton Pritchard. We'll talk about his contract in the next segment. But let's talk about the unicorn in the room, Kristaps mm. Porzingis. He played in two of those three games, did not play against his former employer, the New York Knickerbockers, but in two games against Philadelphia, he averaged 14 points a game in about half a game. So really good scoring numbers. He was four of five from deep. And when Porzingis is shooting the ball, I mean, he's shooting from Steph Curry-like distance, way deep. Bowser on the dribble drive. Out to Porzingis. The unicorn strokes it. Man, that was deep. Yeah, that shot was about 26, 27 feet out. 
It's exactly what I thought KP would bring to the team, spacing the floor and making it easy on all the players around him with his size and his abilities. You know, Celtic fans don't watch the Washington Wizards play a lot. Obviously, we we know what Porzingis can do because he absolutely destroyed us in one of the games last year mm. in which Bradley Beal did not play. Porzingis had a monster game. But, boy, the range that he has, he's sort of like Steph. I mean, when he steps into the gym, he's in range. And it's not like Horford. It's a different kind of shot. Quicker release. And his shot looks more pure. I mean, Al was second in the NBA in three-point efficiency last year, and Porzingis looks just as dangerous. He also had some other plays where he was running some pick-and-roll action, slipping screens with Derek White. He had an incredible alley-oop dunk in the first game. He looks ready to play with these other five Celtics, with the rest of the team. He seems like a perfect fit, Guillermo. Yes, sir. And no signs of that plantar fasciitis. Uh, so I definitely think he's healthy, ready to go. He seems motivated, excited. And I think just the overall game is going to be easier for him because everybody else around him is going to demand that attention. So if you put him one-on-one -on -one against most of the NBA, I think I'll take my chances with KP scoring over them or even defending them. He had a, a double block without Horford in one of those games. It's just tremendous to see what he's going to bring for the 82-game season. Now, the Celtics did not show their full potential in, by any stretch. I mean, if you look at some of these scores, 112 points, 114 points. I mean, these were not explosive performances by any stretch. They're still figuring each other out. They're, they're going into the chemistry lab this week for about five days of practice before their next preseason game against the New York Knicks Tuesday night in the garden. And I think we're going to see improvements in that next game because the Celtics are starting to figure each other out. But one thing I can tell you, Guillermo, it's clear to me that Jason Tatum is very intrigued about playing with Porzingis and Derek White seems to play very well with him. So uh, and, and Horford as well. Porzingis likes playing with Horford. So I think we're not anywhere close to where we could be, but you can just start to see the foundations of something that could be very special on offense. Yeah, and that's what's so fun, right? So I know Coach Joe Mazzula joked around about shooting 55 threes, and the Celtics are chucking up a lot of threes in the last uh, three preseason games from all different types of players and so that's fun to see and it's exciting to see how these players are going to play with each other how they're going to gel and like you said they're only getting started this is just the tip of the iceberg and I see this team really gelling and playing well with each other the way they're able to space the floor and just make it easy on each other it's it's just a beautiful thing to see it absolutely is. And again, we've talked ad nauseum about some of these players. Anytime Jason Tatum is in NBA arena, he's taking a lot of that oxygen. Him and Deuce are getting a lot of attention. Jalen Brown, who just signed the largest extension in NBA history, he's going to get a lot of print, a lot of publicity. Porzingis and Drew Holiday will get a lot of attention. But the one guy that probably will never get the publicity he deserves, but has outsized impact. And I think is the most, player, most important player on the Celtics 
is Derek White. And Derek White, Guillermo, looks like he could be poised for a breakout season. Maxi on the move, swatted by White. He's got another one. He led the NBA in blocks by guards last year. Numbers for the Celtics. White left alone for three. What a sequence for Derek White. No question. Again, our guy, Drew Carter and Brian Scalabrini with the call on NBC Sports Boston. Derek White, Guillermo, you know, he's going to get a lot of opportunities on offense because he'll probably be the forgotten man by the other teams considering the other options out there. But defensively, over the first two games that he played, two steals, four blocks in the preseason so far. And then when you threw Drew Holiday out there with him, I mean, this has the potential to be the top defense in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Derek White's going to be our unsung hero. Like you said, he's probably not going to be talked about too much because of the players that are on this team, the top four. But he's definitely going to shine. And I think that's what he wants, right? He doesn't really care about, you know, the media or the claim to fame. He's just out there to ball and do the little things that nobody else wants to do. Like you said, they're going to sleep on him. He's going to cut. He's going to be open for three. He's going to block you. I think he's just going to do all those little intangibles that we're going to need. A couple of those blocks were against Tyrese Maxey, who, by the way, looks like an all-star right now based on what we've seen in the preseason from him. The Sixers will not miss James Harden at least from a scoring perspective, because Maxi looks like he's going to get about 25 a game. But mm-hmm. Derek White rejected him a couple of times. He stays in front of you, and he recovers in transition and is surprising how high up he gets. And with his length, he's able to challenge and block a lot of shots that some of these guards and even bigger players, they just don't see coming. Then you throw Drew Holiday in. And we wondered in the summer league if the Celtics were going to play more zone. They did some 2-1-2 with Holiday and Derek White at the top. That looks pretty promising with Porzingis in the middle. What are your thoughts about the combination of Holiday and White in a death lineup and the length that they have, the ability to get deflections? Holiday had a couple of steals, but he also had a couple of deflections. It looks like it's going to be tough to get the ball in the paint on the Celtics. Yeah, we know Holiday is a terrific perimeter defender, and we know that White led the league in blocks as far as for guards. So to go against that backcourt, good luck. I mean, you got two people who will take you 94 feet and put pressure on you and can protect that perimeter with the league going three-centric, how it's going. I mean, those are two dogs right there that, it's going to be hard to go up against at any point in time. Absolutely. And like I said, everybody did something well over the course of the three games. I think JB had a big game one, the first preseason game. Tatum, probably not the best of the starters, but you could see physically he looks great. He looks ready. All of the reserves did something. Drew, uh, excuse me, Sam Hauser in the third game had six threes after not doing so well in the first two games. Joe Mazzulla showed faith in him and started him. And Hauser said after the game, look, shooters shoot. He's confident. He's ready. Cornette had some nice plays on the pick and roll and, and contested a lot. Probably never going to be a great rebounder. But you mentioned Keta. Keta had Ooh. a very good plus minus over the course of the three games. 
And in the last game against Philly, didn't commit fouls, really good in the pick and roll, had some big dunks, offensive rebounds. I mean, he's going to be spending a lot of time up in Portland, but he looks ready now to be a number three center. Yeah, we might have to convert that two-way to a standard contract because Kate is exactly what I wanted him to be for this team. Again, jumping out the gym, catching those lobs, and also just being in the right place, setting good screens, getting those boards, getting those putbacks. I mean, that's exactly what we need, especially since we had to move on from Rob Williams. He's definitely going to be what we need as far as a third or fourth big. All of the bench players, as we said, showed a little something. Uh, Even DJ Stewart got in there. He played just a couple of minutes, but it was good to see him out there. One of the guys that we talked about and about 61% of our poll that we put out on, on at Lucky's Lounge Pod on X said they wanted to see O'Shea Brissett as the newcomer on the bench. I thought he showed a lot of energy, very athletic. Oh, yeah. Um, he was good. Delano Banton, mm. uh, actually, in the game against the Knicks, started. He had 21 points, Guillermo. He made eight field goals, including some rather impressive layups. I didn't know he had that that ability to go to the rim and take it in on guys like Mitchell Robinson and score. He showed that. But in the game Wednesday against Philadelphia, there was an episode just after half where Joe took out all of his starters, put in the reserves, and Banton started the second half. On the first play of the game, the Sixers missed a three-point shot. There was a scrum under the basket for the ball, and there was a, a jump ball, I think, that came out of it. And Missoula subbed Banton out of the game. Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe was tweeting about this. And apparently after the, you know, as, as Banton was taken out of the game, I was wondering if he was hurt, Guillermo. Mazzullo accompanied him back to his seat and was coaching him hard. Did you see this? Yeah, I definitely saw that. 26 seconds into the third quarter, my guy got benched right away and Mazzullo was definitely in his ear uh, talking to him. And it's good that he's coaching them hard now like so they know what to expect from coach Missoula and the bench if you're gonna play a role for this team you gotta commit to what the coach needs from you and it looks like he didn't do that and I'm also glad that he didn't just leave him cold and didn't bring him back in the game he eventually did get back in the game and to touch on you know the second game where he was going off and scoring yes he does have a decent layup package but I feel like in the three games, he's just looking to score more than what I anticipated for Delano Banton. Well, I'm glad that he got the opportunity to show that. But as Missoula demonstrated by benching him on that play, yeah. he's not here to score. I, I, want, I have not seen anything like that out of a Celtic coach, maybe since the days of Rick Pitino. I've seen guys like Doc Rivers, even Brad, call a timeout after the team generally didn't show the intensity, but not a substitution. I mean, today's NBA player might feel like they were being shown up. But here's what Missoula had to say after the game. Himmelsbach asked him about that episode. He said, listen, there's nothing more important than holding people to a high standard, especially when you believe in them and know that they can be really, really good. And we have a roster, 1 through 17, that I truly believe in. And there's just a good learning opportunity. 
There was a loose ball there. I thought he could have gotten it. So credit to him that he was able to take coaching and he responded really, really well. He's got a chance to be a really good player in this league. And I just love the mentality that he brought to being coach and then responding. It's super important. And I'm thankful that he allowed me to coach him. End quote. Guillermo, I think what Joe Missoula did in that moment was set the tone for the bench players. I think he knows that in Marcus Smart and Grant Williams, he lost a couple of dogs that would go to the floor, get those loose balls, and he's going to need two to three of these guys to do that. They all got to do that, really. I mean, if you're Luke Cornett and you don't do that, then you should lose your job to Keta. And if you're Banton and you don't do that, then Lamar Stevens is sitting there waiting in the wings. But he's basically saying, you go get me the ball, you dive for that ball, you hustle, or you're not going to be on the floor. Yeah, and I think Brissett is probably the safest out of the bunch because of what he brought in the last three games. I mean, the game, the first game he was jumping out the gym. He had one dunk over somebody that unfortunately didn't count, but I mean, the whole bench got up and was energized from what he brought. And even Sri Michaela got up a couple of times and surprised me. But that's the the fun part of this team is that, yes, there are some minutes to get. There's not a lot of minutes, but there's some minutes to get. And everybody's kind of in a competition to earn those minutes. So you better bring it. Each night, each possession that you have an opportunity to show something, because if you want to get consistent minutes on this team, you're going to have to do the little things to show the coaches you're willing to do whatever it takes to be out there on the court. Without a doubt. And Michaela, you mentioned Svi in the first game, Hauser struggled. Svi comes in and his first shot uh, almost broke the backboard. You know, he was excited (laughs) to be a Celtic. But I think about the next four were nothing but net. His shot looks so pure. Yeah. Great pickup by Brad Stevens getting Svee Michalik as we'll call him an emergency shooting option. Now, not only that, I feel like the guy is a certified bucket getter in this last game, game three. I mean, he had a couple buckets that I just wasn't in tune with as far as being part of his play style. And maybe I just haven't tuned into a lot of Sri McCaleg ball, but he had a couple middies. Like I said, he was jumping out the gym and his shot is almost as pure as Hauser. Maybe he's not as a good catch and shooter as Hauser is because Hauser, I don't know, that guy is a crazy sniper now. But f- to see them kind of battling for the same minutes and to be honest, I'm excited for an all-white boy lineup. I mean, let's do Pritchard, Hauser, Svi, Porzingis, and Cornette. I, I, I'm excited to see that lineup. You know, it's it's good that the Dominican guy says that because if the Irish guy <laughs> says that, you know, we're going to get accused of some things. I, I'm just excited in general about all of these guys. And, you know, yes, Brad sir. said everybody got better. One guy that I thought regressed in summer league, but boy, was I glad to see perform at a high level Wednesday night and and in all the games he's played in JD Davison. He looked great on Wednesday night. I mean, he was making really good passes. He was attacking really liked to see what he was able to do against real NBA players, which he didn't do very well. I think he had about eight turnovers a game in Las Vegas, but 
boy, at Wells Fargo Center, he was putting on a show. Yeah, it's good to see him out there without a Hershey stain in his pants. Um, I thought he and Kata really played good uh, pick and roll again with uh, you know against Bamba out there, and I thought whether he was going to get his shot or you know making a solid alley oop pass to Svi or to Kata, uh, it was really good to see his growth, and I'm looking forward to him getting continually better out there in Maine with uh, Jordan Walsh. Speaking of wardrobe malfunctions and, and basketball shorts, I would be remiss if I did not mention Jalen Brown and the fact <laughs> that he was maybe not paying attention in the locker room as he was going through his pregame, you know, listening to his beats or whatever the case may be, goes out there with his shorts backwards. The shamrock was visible above his derriere and not in the front. And so he's out there playing with his shorts on backwards and doing great things. And Guillermo, you know how superstitious I am. I mean, I feel like if your shorts are on backwards and you start splashing threes, hey, there's no shame in that. Just roll with it. Yeah, our guy was super excited to get on the court with this new team, especially after the offseason he had with the contract and doing some modeling and working out with Jason Tatum and Drew Handlin. So I'm excited for what he's going to bring this season. I think each and every year, as we talked about in other podcasts, he just continues to get better. And yeah, he had a little man malfunction, but I don't see for, foresee that happening anymore. Well, listen, like I said, if, if, if I go out there accidentally with my shorts on backwards and I hit a three and then my teammates go, yo, Cap, your shorts are on backwards. I'm probably just going to leave him like that until I start missing. So I'm not, I'm not going to hate on Jalen for that. Well, when we come back, the Celtics rolled out three different starting lineups in three games. Who is going to start for the Celtics? We'll talk about who should start and does it even matter when we come back next on Lucky's Lounge. Stay right there. We're back, and as we always do around this time of the show, we want to thank you, the fans, for continuing to spread the word to all of your friends and like-minded Celtic fans about our podcast. Get us follows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. You spreading the word is helping to vault us up the charts. We're not quite up there with Draymond Green or KG Certified, but uh, maybe with any luck soon we will per- we will perhaps pass the old man and the three having to listen to J.J. Redick in that first pot, that first preseason game, I heard him mention his podcast about seven times. Uh, so nice to listen to Drew Carter and Scal. And by the way, Drew Carter doing a phenomenal job. I really like him, Guillermo. Yeah, I was skeptical at first because nobody wants to lose Mike Gorman, but Drew, Drew Carter is definitely growing on me. I love his... You know, nicknames like Preseason P, he's definitely somebody I'm interested in listening to throughout the season. Well, there's a lot of reasons that we are feeling emotional and sentimental. We have not lost Mike Gorman. We've got Gorman for one more season. Let's make it a great season. Yes, you know, Sean Grandy, Sean Grandy is such a great guy, such a great broadcaster. I wanted him to be the guy, but you know what? I like him on the radio as well. So having him on Sports Hub is great. I mean, it's win-win for Celtic fans, but I think Carter is really good. He's funny. He knows a lot of stuff, as he proved in these games. And 
and the chemistry with Scal is going to come along. So uh, it was it was really great to see. Uh, and you, as you mentioned, preseason P. Let's talk about him for a second because right before the Celtics played their first preseason game, it was announced that Brad Stevens put a contract in front of Peyton Pritchard four years. $30 million, a contract extension that will keep him in green and white potentially until 2028. And as I said, maybe it's as simple as we always wanted you. We believe in you. We're the team that drafted you. And Pritchard looks ready to deliver on that faith. Yeah, I'm excited the deal got done. And that was always why I was, I guess, trying to trade Pritchard is was because he was on the last year of his deal, and now that is no longer the case. Uh, so excited for the Pritchards, uh, since we sit next to his fiance. Uh, so excited for Peyton. I think he's getting better each and every year. I think it's a great deal for the Celtics. It's not a huge contract, and I think if need be, it's a contract that... Don't, here we go again. Here we go again with you. I, I only wanted to trade him because he was in the last year of his contract. But go ahead. I think I think this is a good point. Go ahead and make the point. If needed, that's a good contract to have on the team if we needed to package anything to get even better. But I am excited to have Peyton Pritchard long term. I think, you know, if you look at the history of Celtic contract extensions, the Celtics, you know, we are not the Lakers. We are not the heat. We do not attract people with palm trees and strip clubs or no state tax, Mm -hmm. but we do know how to draft and develop players. And the, the extensions that we've been able to get, I mean, you go back to Avery Bradley, $8 million a year at the time, people said, that's insane that you Mm -hmm. would give him that six months later, they were saying Danny Ainge was a genius. Uh, The Rob Williams deal, at the time, a lot of people were like, this guy can't score. He can't do anything. It turned out to be one of the best contracts in the NBA. And unfortunately, we had to move on from him in order to get Drew Holiday. But this contract extension in a very short period of time, if Peyton Pritchard can produce offensively the way he has done these last three games, anywhere near what he's been doing, it's already a bargain. But as you say, you cannot acquire talent, high-end talent in the NBA without matching salaries. Unless you're under the salary cap, you have to match salaries. And so were the Celtics to say, try to go out and get a 20 to 25, let's say they wanted to get Buddy Heald. I'm just throwing that name out randomly because that's a guy who's on the block right now and probably will be traded before February. The only players you could move to get him would be named Holiday, Brown, Porzingis, or Tatum, or White. And you're not going to move any of those guys for Buddy Heald, right? Right. But now the Celtics have in Peyton Pritchard, I mean, I think Peyton's making about $4 million this year. Mm-hmm. But the extension will bump him up over the course of that deal to seven, eight, nine million million, $9 million a year in the later years. And because he signed this extension, I think – that contract is valued at like 125% of the cap hold. So it's, it's a valuable contract in trade, 
But we don't want to trade Peyton Pritchard. But no. as you said, you have some flexibility now that you didn't have before. I think personally, this is what Rob Lowe, I know that's not his name, but the GM of the Lakers, <laughs> the, 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 you know, the, the Lakers GM, Kobe Bryant's former agent, Rob Palenka has signed a bunch of guys to deals, uh, guys like D'Angelo Russell, who fell out of favor with Darvin Ham in the playoffs. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt just got a team-friendly four-year, $12 million a year. The Lakers, once they lose LeBron, which will be very soon, and Anthony Davis, who knows how long he's going to be elite, the Lakers are the kind of destination franchise that somebody might say, I want to be traded to the Lakers. You can't do it unless you can throw down some 15, 20, $30 million contracts. And the Lakers seemingly went out this offseason with the strategy of just loading up on those guys, guys that can complement AD and LeBron, but also could be used in trades. The Celtics, you know, they, they have income inequality on their team. They have the four guys that are making just a ton of money and a lot of minimum salary guys. So the point you make about Pritchard, we, we hate to make it, but it is true. This is good for Pritchard, but it's also good for the Celtics because of the value it provides on the court and potentially off the court if they have to make a move. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think, like you said, in addition, the Lakers, they signed Hachimura, they signed Gabe Vincent. All those deals, they probably will package up to get another big fish that might be out there, you know, next year, this year, whatever it may be, to make another big three or try to compete with the big four that we have. So, again, I'm excited for Pritchard. I'm happy that he's going to be here long term, but it's also a great contract to have for Brad, who is, like you quoted, the Brad father and making tremendous deals out there. The, yeah, in, in Brad we trust, the Brad father making an offer that that apparently the, the Pritchard camp could not refuse. And listen, preseason P, if you're listening – Trust me, I know Guillermo Diaz. He loves you. We want to Love see you. you in green. We want to see you in green for the rest of your career. And um, keep it up, man. We're looking forward to seeing what happens on Tuesday night. Uh, let's talk starting lineup here for a second. Yeah. I've given my opinion before, and I'm about to give it again. But in the first preseason game at the Garden, which is very symbolic, right? Because you're back on the parquet. Everybody's been waiting for 130 days or whatever it was to see the Celtics again and just waiting to see what the lineup is going to be. Because we knew it could go one of two ways. We could come out with double bigs, or we could come out with the death lineup. And Missoula comes out with double bigs, but not bringing Derek White off the bench, but bringing Drew Holiday off the bench. After the game, he was asked about that. John Corrales or somebody asked about that. And this is what he said. We have eight nine starters. And one of the things I thought a strength of our team last year was when guys were out. I remember the game at Toronto, we had like three or four guys out and we won. And then at Milwaukee, we lost at the buzzer. And I think that was in overtime with four guys out. So we know Joe Mazzula Guillermo was not married to one lineup last season. Right. He is a guy that plays it the way I would, which is 
we'll start who we think gives us the best chance of to win against any given matchup on any given night. A lot of teams can't do that because they don't have the flexibility that the Celtics have. I think the Celtics really could play three, four, five different starting lineups this year, and that's not taking into account health. We know for for a fact that Al Horford's not going to play back-to-backs. Porzingis may not play a lot of back-to-backs. Who knows? But uh, the Celtics are going to play clearly lots of different starting lineups this season. By design, it would appear, Guillermo. Yeah, and that really differs from our former coach Udoka, right, who wanted to stick to one lineup and not really tweak it too often. But I think with this team, like Coach Joe Mazzula said, you could see Hauser starting. You could see, you know, like we talked about, double bigs or the death lineup with having, you know, those two guards in white and Holiday starting and Hal coming off the bench. I just, Brissett could start at some point. I just think, like he said, I like to throw different mixes out there and see what will gel together to get the win. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who starts. We just need the win at the end of the day. So I think what's going to be more intriguing is who's in there in the final minutes. And we kind of talked about that uh, in other podcasts and having those issues last year where we couldn't fit Smart, White, and Brogdon on the court all at the same time. So that's going to be more intriguing to see who's out there at the end of games more than who's going to start the games. I think we're still going to have the same issue in terms of who's out there at the end of games because it could be a tough decision. Mm. But if you're playing against Philadelphia, it might be, well, you, you know, maybe you have Horford out there and maybe you go with the two guards. If you're playing against Milwaukee, you're probably going to go double big, and then you have to decide who to leave out. It's a great problem to have, wouldn't you say? Yes, it is. I love it. Now, I want to go into a little bit of Celtic history here just to remind people, and you know, our listenership is younger than some podcasts, so I want to remind people or at least educate people on this idea of the sixth man. The sixth man of the year award, I think, has only been a thing for about 20 years. The concept of the sixth man was invented in Boston by a guy by the name of Red Auerbach, who believed that having a great player coming off the bench gave your team a great advantage. And the original sixth man was Frank Ramsey, Hall of Fame player, his numbers in the rafters, a star at the University of Kentucky. And Ramsey would just come off the bench and destroy guys. You know, a lot of times in the NBA, you'll see substitutions being made at the seven-minute mark or five-minute mark or whatever, and and three or four reserves coming in. And when you have a player like Frank Ramsey, or in the case of the Celtics last season, Malcolm Brogdon coming in and being defended by these clearly lesser players, they can have a greater impact. And in the history of the NBA, the Celtics have gotten this right more than anybody. First, it was Ramsey. Later on, you had Kevin McHale as a sixth man coming in and spelling Cedric Maxwell and Robert Parrish. McHale clearly didn't have a problem with it. It was the expectation in Boston that you would earn your stripes, you would pay your dues, and really it doesn't matter who starts the game, it matters who finishes the game. And then we had Bill Walton in our championship season in 1986. Critical player, honestly one of the best big men in the NBA when healthy, 
He helped us win a championship in that role. And Malcolm Brogdon winning the award last year. We have a poll up right now on our X feed right now. And it is, who should the Celtics' sixth man be? Another Mm. way of saying that is, who's the odd man out uh, when it comes to starting lineups? We want to get your thoughts on this. Should it be Horford? Should it be White? Should it be Drew Holiday? Should it be Kristaps Porzingis? Uh, Go ahead and give us your thoughts on that, Guillermo. uh, Who sits for you in a perfect world? If you're just not looking at matchups, who's the guy that you bring off the bench? That's a tough one. The guy I bring off the bench is my Dominican brother, Al Horford. Wow. Uh, That that way we can have another solid, good, big come off the bench and be able to spot spot minutes for either Tatum, if you're going to stay big, or for Porzingis. Because I like Pritchard possibly as the seventh guy to come in and give, you know, the guards some rest. So for me, it goes Horford, Pritchard, and then Hauser. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you mine. And I think that the guy that I'm going to have as the sixth man is going to be Drew Holiday. Wow. And the reason I say that, number one, it can't be Porzingis because Porzingis in these two preseason games that he started has won both opening tips against Paul Reed. So I, I you know, I, I feel winning the opening tip is a good, is a big psychological bonus and gives you a chance to get out in front. But I also like what Derek White has shown with Porzingis in the pick and roll. Drew Holiday is, you know, in this NBA GM survey that we're going to talk about in our next segment, yeah. he was rated as the best perimeter defender in the NBA. He is also a guy that is a great playmaker and I think could work well with Sam Hauser, Svi Michalik, work well with Pritchard or whomever he's, I mean, he's going to be on the floor with either Brown or Tatum as well. Uh, But I also think he's 33 years old. He doesn't have an ego with him. It's all about winning championships. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave him on the bench and I think he'll have no problem with that. Yeah. That's an interesting take. I, I think, just like Joe said, I think he could come off the bench. He could start. I don't foresee him coming off the bench like you have him. I, If anything, it may be Derek White if we stay double big throughout most of the season. But I definitely see where you're coming from. Protect somebody who maybe has more miles uh, on him than anybody else. And like you said, I think he's somebody who's averaged seven assists can probably play with anybody on the bench and make them flourish in their role. So I I could see it. Well, he did come off the bench in the first game, Guillermo, and that could be one of two things. I'm I'm betting that Joe Mazzula thinks that that's the way we should go, and we'll see. But it could just be because he, he hadn't been with the team very long. He'd only had a few training camp practices, and so he'll grow into the starting role. I think... White and Holiday both are true professionals, and I don't think either one of them would mind coming off the bench. But that is what Captain Ron would do, is I would bring Drew Holiday off the bench. I think Derek White is just poised for something great this season. Finally, in this segment, we got to go to some bad news. And right, bef- right after uh, we, had, we dropped our last pod, 
Uh, we got some bad news as in the Saturday practice before the preseason opener, two-way contract uh, player Jay Scrub tore his anterior cruciate ligament, and he is out for the season, Guillermo. Yesterday, Scrub, who is still a Boston Celtic, tweeted out, I will be back, I promise you, Shamrock Greenheart. Guillermo, uh, this is bad news, not so much for the team, but for Jay Scrub, who who was drafted out of junior college, had played for a few different NBA teams, looked like he was getting a good chance with Boston. I feel for this young man. Yeah, scrappy guy who really showed out on Summer League to earn that two-way deal. I was excited for him to be in Maine with Walsh and Davison and put up points because that's what he likes to do. He's a, a scorer, and for that to happen to him, you know, I just, my heart goes out to him and I just hope he continues to grind and be better once he gets healthy, but awful news to hear. It is awful news and we're all praying for Jay and we hope that he has a speedy recovery. Now, Guillermo, you've already put yourself in for worst Celtic fan of the year because you're, <laughs> you're trading Peyton Pritchard before his no, wedding. No, no. Right after we extend them, you're talking about, man, who could we get for this contract? <laughs> I'm going to put up, though. Jay Scrub is of no use to the Celtics right now. Whoa. Okay? He cannot play. He cannot play in the 2023-24 season. Mm -hmm. I think the Celtics might explore waiving him and going out and seeing who's getting cut by these other NBA teams as they make their training camp cuts and maybe adding another player on a two-way so we can restore our roster to the three two-way players. Uh, am I going to burn in hell for that? I mean, I don't know about that, but that's just awful to kind of think about in these times with the guy just tearing his ACL. And that's one of my biggest fear in basketball. Like I never want to have that injury, but, as long as he's taken care of, which I'm sure when you're waived, you get you know most of the contract that you signed. Um, I'm well, sure it's he'll not big for. Yeah, for not a two way two way player. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get no, no. his opportunity again once he's back and healthy. But thinking of this year's Boston Celtics and Maine Celtics, I would have to agree. And let's go get another two way deal. Yeah, and I think what Brad can do is just sort of say, "Hey, look, you know, we'll see you back here next year when you get healthy. You're gonna have a sh you're gonna have a spot with us. Sure, but we got to do what we got to do. And and remember, these two way guys. I don't know the exact rules, but they can play in Boston. You know, a certain number of games. It's about twenty or so. I don't know the exact number, but that's going to be important when you're talking about spelling players like Drew Holiday." And Kristaps Porzingis, I think the Keda addition is huge. And as you said, you know, maybe he moves up to a regular spot if he can win a job and maybe you could go out and add somebody else. So, I mean, this is a business. It's about winning. And as long as the Celtics can take care of Jay Scrub on the back end, um, you know, I think I can sleep like a baby at night. Knowing <laughs> that we're, we're doing everything. Of course, it's not me, the, the guy that has to, you know, put the pink tag in his locker or right. – or make or make that uh, say, hey, uh, Brad wants to see you in his office. I'm not the guy that has to do that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to think about 
this year's team and we have to continue to develop players, whether they're in Maine or not. And I believe two-way players are able to play 50-plus games uh, with their team affiliated with until they have to decide whether they want to give them a standard contract or keep them in the G League. Well, a lot of ambiguity. So let's go to break. When we come back from break, you can tell us how many games we might expect to see DJ Stewart. Or Stewart's not on a two-way, but Davison, Davison and Keta. You look that up. Tell us how many games we might expect to see them play. And when we come back, we will also tell you what NBA general managers, the player personnel experts, think about the Celtics, about some of their players, and how the team might do next season. Uh, Spoiler alert, they think it's going to be pretty good. We'll talk about the NBA GM survey when we come back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Lucky's Lounge Podcast. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Captain Ron Flanders here with Guillermo Diaz. Guillermo, uh, what is the ground truth on how many games a player on an NBA two-way contract can play? Yeah, so I was pretty much right. So teams can now carry three players on two-way contracts, which we've uh, talked about. And so two-way players are eligible to be active for up to 50 games of the 82-game regular season. Wow. I I think before it was a much lower number. I want to say it was between 10 and 30. So I think this is good, especially when you look at how well Nemus Keda played in those two preseason games that he saw, or maybe three that he saw action. Uh, This is very good for the Celtics, and it underscores why maybe we need to move on from Jay Scrub, give him a a handshake deal that he'll come back when he gets healthy. But uh, that is uh, good news, I think, for the entire NBA, just to have extra depth. Yeah, definitely needed. Injuries, unfortunately, happen. Load management, even though they're getting stricter on that, it's still going to happen. So the season is a little bit long, but I'm glad that now it's three two-way player contracts and that they can play up to 50 games. Speaking of load management, Joe Dumars, the NBA, I guess he's the deputy, one of the senior executives at the NBA, obviously Hall of Fame player. The Celtics know him very well from his days winning championships with the Pistons. Dumars, who's responsible for discipline and the product on the floor, basically said, look, we're getting rid of load management. Obviously, they have the new load management policy in effect. And he said, you know, the data that people always refer to the data as to why they do load management, because they say that it reduces the risk of injury. Dumars came out and said, look, uh, we don't, we have new data that suggests that there really isn't any increased risk of injury. The data suggests that the quality of the player's performance decreases, but we see no reason to do load management because we don't think it demonstrably increases the chance of injury. I thought that was interesting. I think Greg Popovich and and Steve Kerr would agree with that. The reason they do load management is the players just don't play as well when they're not fresh, but I hope he's right about that injury thing, Guillermo. Yeah, I hope he's right too. I'm glad that 
the NBA is getting stricter on load management. We want to see these guys out there on the court. That's why they sign these deals and play the game that they love and we love to watch. Now, I think the trades that the Celtics made changed the dynamic a little bit. Because remember, we we had said that both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would be subject to the NBA's new load management policy. I think Drew Holiday is also now subject to that, but he's 33 years of age, and I don't think the Celtics really have too much to worry about with this policy, but it, it does also apply to Holiday, Guillermo. Yeah, definitely. I'm okay with it. Again, like you said, he's 33. He may be coming off the bench, as you say. So, yeah, we might have to do it from time to time, especially with the way preseason P is playing. Absolutely. Let's get to Lucky's list now. And the first item on Lucky's list is something that is talked about every NBA preseason. And, of course, I'm talking about the NBA's general manager survey. The 30 general managers under the cloak of anonymity vote on a lot of different questions, who they think made the best offseason move, who is the best point guard, et cetera, et cetera. There's a few of these that uh, concern me because I think it's going to, we need to manage expectations, but uh, can I go through some of these, Guillermo? Yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. The first one that the GMs was asked, of course, is who is going to win the 2024 NBA championship? Oh, boy. Um, Ten GMs said it would be the Celtics. Ten GMs said it would be the world champion Denver Nuggets. And uh, 23%, I don't know what that comes out to, maybe seven, said it would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Guillermo, your thoughts on this? Uh, I know you don't like to talk about this, Cap, but I love it. I love seeing the Celtics... Being favorites, I know a lot of the Celtic fans want to play the underdog card and want to come from behind and say, oh, look, we did it. But I think the Celtics are the favorite. I know I'm being biased here, but these guys, they look good on the court. They're just going to continue to be better. I really like this roster that Brad put together. So I'm definitely happy with knowing that even the GMs appreciate what Brad has put together for this team. Now, when they rated who would win the East, okay, 16 GMs said that the Celtics would win the East. 13 GMs said that the Milwaukee Bucks would win the East. And one GM, and it wasn't Pat Riley, said that the Miami Heat would win the East. I'm, you know, you call me crazy. I'm not going to write off Miami ever. But what do you, what thoughts do you have about these? Uh, I'm done with Miami. I think they are going to fade away in the distance just because, again, they lost pieces that they had that were vital to their team. I think Hero actually makes them a little bit worse, to be honest, because Yes, he can bring the scoring, but he's a defensive liability. And Jimmy's a little bit older. Bam doesn't really have it to be the number two. So I think I definitely see them fading in the wind. 
The Bucks are definitely going to be up there as our biggest contender. But I also see the Cavs and the Knicks also challenging us, hopefully not come playoff time. <laughs> yeah, I do as well. And I'm really looking forward to that opening night game at Madison Square Garden. The GMs see it very similar to you, Guillermo. They have Cleveland 3, Philadelphia 4, New York 5, and Miami 6. Although one GM said they'd win the East and another said that they would go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Interesting that they've still got Philadelphia 4. Again, Tyrese Maxey looks amazing right now. I still think we should not underestimate this 76ers team because, you know, we still have dominoes that are going to fall. Malcolm Brogdon could be traded. James Harden could be traded. Uh, it is still early to, to say what could happen exactly. I think we match up really well against the Sixers. I don't foresee them being that much of a disruption for the Celtics team. We've owned them in the playoffs. We own them in this preseason. Um, and like we've talked about, the Harden thing is still lurking. And they're not going to get something back that is going to match that. So they're going to regress a little bit. And I wonder who's that one GM rooting for the Heat in all these answers. Well, not rooting for, but just thinking that they could win. I mean, it's wow. it's probably somebody out west, but I, I mean, these are th this is their chance to. Yeah, it could be somebody that hates the Celtics and the Bucks, right? And or that Mr. Is not, Riley himself. No, he's not allowed to vote for his own team. Oh, copy. He had to choose somebody else. Copy. So, yeah, I think Riles probably chose us, but we'll see. Uh, in the West, they've got it, Denver, Phoenix, Lakers. You had a pretty large number. You had 21 GMs say that the Nuggets will win the West. You had six GMs or seven GMs with Phoenix and one each for the Lakers and the Clippers. More, Almost half of the GMs think that Jokic will be the MVP, Guillermo. But Jason Tatum was third on the list. Yeah, I definitely ha see Tatum having a big year this year. I know he was about fifth in the voting last year, and I see him taking a leap. I mean, the NBA is putting this guy on front street. He's the first face you see on their NBA commercial. He's the middle center face you see when promoting the playing tournament. To me, he is becoming the face of the league. He has all these endorsements, so you're seeing plenty of commercials about Jay or with Jason Tatum in it, and he has probably one of the best sneakers being sold right now. So I see the kids and everybody having him as the face of the league. I want to go quickly through the rest of this. If you were starting a franchise and could sign any one player in the NBA, who would it be? Ten GMs took Jokic. Seven GMs took Wembeana. Jason Tatum, not in the top nine, Guillermo. I would definitely pick Jokic, too. The guy's a monster. I agree with them. Yep. Best small forward in the NBA, A about half took Jason Tatum. He was the number one choice there. Best shooting guard in the NBA, uh, Jalen Brown, nowhere near that pole. Didn't sniff it. Booker, Curry, Doncic, Anthony Edwards, Shy. Don't even see Jalen on the list. Thoughts on that? That's fine. Keep sleeping on Jalen Brown. I think he's somebody who is also under the radar because you have 
so much attention with Jason Tatum. So that's fine. Keep sleeping on JB. He'll he'll continue to shine. Which team made the best offseason moves in this offseason? It was a tie between the Celtics and the Bucks. Which one player will have the biggest impact in terms of new player acquisition? Almost half had Damian Lillard as the top choice. Drew Holiday, number two. Who was the most underrated acquisition? The Memphis Grizzlies, Marcus Smart. Tops the list, Grant Williams, number two. A lot of uh, a lot of the Celtics players making this list, Guillermo. Yeah, funny how they're getting a lot of love now that they've joined other teams, but when they were Celtics, they weren't getting that same type of love. But I think they're great additions to the teams that they did join. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, let's go to item number two on Lucky's list. I want to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers for a minute. It's being reported now that the Los Angeles Clippers are offering Philadelphia an unprotected first-round pick and a pick swap in addition to some salary for James Harden, and Philadelphia has not made that deal. I don't think they can do any better than this. Based on what you've seen these last couple games with the Sixers, uh, Tyrese Maxey looks great. I think Philadelphia needs to just pull the trigger on this move because James Harden is not going to make it easy, any easier for Daryl Morey. What do you think this, what's going on in Philadelphia and, and what do you think the Sixers need to do? I agree. I think they should pull the trigger on that deal. I think they need more pieces to be around Embiid, Maxi, and this is the year to really find out what Harris is going to bring. I believe he's on the last year of his deal. Are they going to re-sign him? Is he part of that core going forward? So if you're not going to get the same adequate piece that Harden is to your team, then go get players who are going to contribute to the team and go from there with the two picks. Maybe you can make some other deals after that trade. Absolutely. And, you know, they're holding off on extending Tyrese Maxey because they want to see what they can get in trade first and then re-sign Maxey. I just think it would be addition by subtraction in a sense. James Harden is not all in. I think that's pretty good value. An unprotected plus a pick swap, uh, maybe move that down the line to where, you know, past the the Leonard-George-Harden window, and that those could be valuable picks. So we'll have to keep an eye on Philly. I think something gets done before the start of the regular season. That's my prediction, Guillermo. Item number three, Jimmy Butler. We've already seen him say this preseason that he thinks the Heat are still going to win the East. Obviously, he's very upset that he did not get his wish and get Damian Lillard. But some comments that he made just a couple days ago about one of his his loves. You know, he's a lot of NBA players. They like cannabis. Jimmy Butler likes coffee. Guillermo, what, what did he say this week? Uh, so he said that he would not give up coffee for a year in order to win a NBA championship. And let me give some context to this because Jimmy Butler, you know, he's not your average NBA guy. And we talked about his, you know, Andre 3000 hairstyle and, <laughs> and some of his eccentricities. He's a guy that loves country music. I think that puts him at about the fifth percentile of NBA players. <laughs> he loves coffee. He actually created his own coffee brand in the bubble. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. He was charging yeah. fellow NBA players $20 a cup 
for his coffee. And listen, if you're going to be an NBA player and you're a coffee connoisseur, Miami is the place to be. I mean, the Cubans have perfected coffee. It's it, They have a very unique and, and powerful cup of coffee, and uh, it's probably the place to be there. So reporter, I want to make sure I pronounce this correctly, Rohan Nadkumi asked him, uh, if you could get the NBA championship, would you give up coffee for a year? And Jimmy's response, hell no. <laughs> Is this guy uh, crazy or just honest? I think he's just honest. That's fine. If you want to continue to drink your coffee and sell your coffee with the brand that you made, by all means, go ahead. Leave the championship winning to other teams. Like who? (laughs) Jimmy Butler is a guy that uh, I think does more for his team in terms of sacrifice. He he's somewhat like a Marcus Smart or, or, you know, a, Derek White, Drew Holiday, he'll run through a wall for your team, and he will do that. And all of his teammates believe in him. But he's also a guy that knows how to have fun and and probably understands that there's more to life than basketball, so more power to him. What I want to go to now, though, is Guillermo. What is Guillermo Diaz willing to give up for a year to get this championship this year? And I, uh, would you give up alcohol for a year to get the championship this season? Oh, for sure. I don't even drink that much. So I think the biggest thing that I would have to give up would be the sticks. So if I had to not play video games for a year, that would be hard. But I would definitely give that up in order to hang another banner. Does your wife listen to this podcast? I need to be careful with this. Of course. Yeah. I mean... There's three things that, I mean, the one thing that obviously I would not give up is, is spending time with my family. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing. Of course. Um, But the three, the four passions that I have outside of, you know, serving my country and and wearing this uniform that I'm actually still wearing here because we're recording right after I got off work is um, PS5, Mm -hmm. uh, reading books, playing basketball, and sex. Um, I would give up all four of those for a year to win a championship. (laughs) (laughs) And we said Lucky's Lounge and we keep it real. We keep it 100 here. Um, Would, you know, this is a question for the listeners. Would you go celibate for a year to win the championship in 2024? Guillermo? I hope they would because I definitely would. Whatever it takes to hang a banner. Whatever it takes. Hey, sorry, you know, sorry, Selene. Sorry, Jessica, you know. Um, but I can tell you, after the duck boat parade, <laughs> you will be in for the night of your life. Hey, I mean, sorry. Hey, Jimmy Butler, you you keep drinking your coffee. We're going to do whatever it takes. Correct. Here. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe not making that commitment right now because I like what I see from these Celtics this preseason, but, um, but I would do it. Hey, we're already going to go bald. Let's not give up too much. (laughs) That's right. Well, Hey, we got the Knicks Tuesday night and that is also our opening night opponent. Final thoughts for this. I'm excited for this upcoming preseason game. I want to see the Jays out on the court again. 
I'd like to see our quote-unquote death lineup with Holiday White and Porzingis starting. Um, just to tease the Knicks a little bit before we play them in a couple weeks. Um, I want to continue to see these guys gel and grow together. And, hey, we got Celtic basketball now. I mean, there's nothing else that matters. Amen, hermano. As the patriarch Arnold Red Auerbach used to say, the Boston Celtics are not just a basketball team. They are a way of life. And uh, this game, the way I see this game coming up on Tuesday night is it is the most important of the five preseason games. And it's the game where I think Joe Mazzulla should play the Celtics Super 6, extend them, play them as close as possible to regular season minutes, and really kind of stretch them out. And let's play our combinations. Let's run our stuff and and see how we do against the Knickerbockers. I like that name, the Super 6. Yeah, I definitely want to see these guys out there together so that we can get ready for the tip-off against the Knicks uh, once the season starts on the 25th. Yeah, and then the final preseason game against Charlotte. I mean, I think that's the night where where JT takes Deuce to Chuck E. Cheese or what. I don't even know if the Hornets are going to have enough players by then. I mean, they just cut their first-round pick from two years ago, Kai Jones. Miles Bridges, I think, you know, is is wanted by the law again, maybe for violating the terms of his protection order. So, so we'll just have to see. Both important games, but I think the Knicks is the most important one. It's in the Garden, which is – also why it's important. And uh, it's also the first game, Guillermo, that a listener will be in the lounge seats. Our our contest winner, Alvaro de Leon of Newport, Rhode Island, will be sitting in the lounge seats. And uh, we're kind of excited about that. Yeah, super excited for Alvaro. I hope he has a great time in those seats. And I hope it's a great game for him. One last thing before we go. You may have seen on our X feed that uh, there is now official Lucky's Lounge swag. Um, in fact, I posted that up on X, and we already had a request from a listener for one of our Lucky's Lounge T-shirts, which we are mailing out to you. If you are interested, hey, hit us up, luckysloungepod at gmail.com or DM us at Lucky's Lounge Pod on X. You never know. You may have one coming your way. It's it's. I can tell you it's very comfortable, Guillermo. Yeah, I'm super excited for the merch. I have family and friends all salivating, wanting to get some merch on their hands and promote the the podcast. So I'm super excited. Amen. Well, that'll do it for this podcast. We are super excited to have you with us along every week. This is the place to come for Celtics preseason news, regular season news. We break down all of the analysis and we're going to have some new things coming in the next couple of shows that I think you're going to like. So stay with us. Have a great week. Hold your families close. Be thankful that you live in the greatest country in the world. And of course, pray for the people in the Middle East. And we will see you next week on Lucky's Lounge Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.